Hey, welcome, friends, to Ashes Pathfinders, a dedicated Ashes of Creation podcast, now running 48 episodes strong, where our Pathfinders then turn to weekly episodes discussing dairy crafting, news, game updates, community concerns, your questions, and all things related to Ashes of Creation. I'd like to welcome my co-host, Daedalus. Welcome, sir. Hey, everybody. And I'm your host, Simorg. That is how you say it correctly, by the way. I'm just going to say that. Um, also, I want to, before I forget, I almost forgot, can't do this, can't forget, Patreon supporters, thank you so much for all of your funding every month. Keep the crusade marching strong. And also, all subscribers on Twitch, which is not where we're at today. We're on DLive. DLive! Because we can. And um, today's show, well, it's going to come together nicely, I think. <laughs> I think uh, I think, I think. think as long as we get our lucky charm, Daedalus, do you have our famous light forged? I don't enter the podcast without it. <laughs> God, if there's nothing, I'll put a smile on my face more than seeing that around your neck, dude. <laughs> and and everyone, remember the hashtag. It's hashtag get dusted. Get dusted. Get dusted. Everyone here in chat, welcome to the show, friends, uh, here on DLive. Um, so today, we're going to be doing a little bit of... Uh, kind of uh, covering a little bit of what was going on last week. Uh, of course, if you missed it, please check out. Um, you can find it over on the YouTube channel, which is where all the podcasts are at. Uh, you can go over there to my YouTube, check it out. Um, it, we've got the interview with Stephen Sharif, right? We called that the Sandal Special, which was very fitting, I thought. Hashtag get dusted in chat. That's right. That's right, nice screen. <laughs> get dusted. Just dust me. I mean, if you say it a little differently, it kind of has a different con. Nah. <laughs> so um we had that interview last week it went really good Daedalus and i had a lot of awesome questions i felt like we grabbed a lot of community questions a lot of your community questions uh from the forums from our uh, discords etc we got some great questions it seemed like the community was really happy about them being asked um steven he was a trooper he he really did stick to the plan and really let let us just kind of go through and hit everything we could we got all our questions out of the way i was actually very surprised by that um yeah one, that that was really good to mm-hmm. be able to get through as much as we did absolutely um so a couple things of note uh one thing of note uh is to check out that if you haven't seen it yet it was a great interview i thought there were several other ones too by paradox gaming network uh the golden feather and uh the dungeon crawler network from the ashes podcast mm-hmm. so those were the other three aside from our show um you can go check them out on all their respective channels um Deb discussion one. This is a forum post that the uh, team has begun, uh, which they started on April 19th. It's in general discussion on the Ashes of Creation forum. If you're not sure where that's at, I actually linked it prior. I will link it once more in chat. Um, Again, if you're watching on YouTube, I really should have been here, man. Just saying. Um, Live Mondays, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, just in case you're curious. Um, so with that being said, though, uh, this one is discussing memorable content and I'm going to read it. Greetings all and welcome to our new form. That's not how they talk. That's not how I try to see this talks. I'm sorry. <laughs> welcome to their new series, Dev Discussions. Uh, they said that the dev discussion topics are kind of like a reverse Q&A. Rather than you asking the dev team uh, questions related to Ashes of Creation, they want to know what your thoughts are. And so the first uh, discussion they brought up, which I would encourage you all to go check out, was memorable content. What makes a quest memorable? Are there any raids or events that you'll never forget? What made them unforgettable? Um, Daedalus, I think instead of, we should go contribute. I will soon trademark. It's the 19th. It's the 22nd now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm only three days behind, man. I'll get I'll get to it. I promise. Um, yeah, what's the memorable content for you, man? Well, I was able to kind of, I honestly, I found the thread almost by accident um, before they even announced it. So mm-hmm. I did have a chance to take a look. Um, there was probably, and I'm going to probably dig pretty deep into like Vanilla WoW. That's kind of been where I would say I've had the most exposure uh, as far as content that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably three things that I would call out as memorable for me. Um, you know, and I know there's has been a lot of content obviously since vanilla 
And there was some of that that I legit just missed. So, I mean, I'm sure there probably would have been more that resonated um, had I stuck with WoW, you know, long term. But um, the first was really AQ40. Um, from a technical standpoint, probably not the greatest execution. <laughs> but I think the thought process behind kind of having like a server-wide um, type of event where only kind of one person can get the golden ticket, but it opens up, you know, a raid event for the entire server. I think that's pretty cool. So I'm hoping that that isn't just a blip on the radar from an Ashes of Creation standpoint. That's one of the things that I like. I'd really like to see those happen, not happen to the point where it's like, oh, great, another server event, right? But it's something where it does punctuate different things on the server, you know, really kind of reinforces the whole every server is unique, has a unique story. Mm -hmm. um, the other um, the other one, I'm going to go to a raid, and then I'm going to go to kind of a personal one. The next raid content that I, I really found memorable um, was one of my first real major raids um, post, you know, the initial like Molten Core, which was Blackwing Lair. Mm. Now, that also had kind of its frustrations from a gear drop standpoint but i did really like the end boss um and the fact that it was able to change each week now obviously you got to a point where that change was like okay you know everybody knew what they needed to do but just even having that variety and kind of being able to think um and address in depending on what groups you know were were showing up and how to attack them i thought that was really um, and I'm hoping that we have, as the devs have promised, you know, having something that changes each week about the raids, not necessarily something that we can anticipate, but also not necessarily something that's going to be frustrating that, you know, we, you know, can't get our stuff right because we're always trying to figure out something new. I mean, I want it to be a good balance of, you know, difficulty, but also uniqueness. Um, and then the, the third item, which is more of a personal thing, and this is probably, out of everything, my most memorable um, experience in, in WoW, and that was the Paladin Mount Quest. Not every wow. step of it. Because <laughs> there were some but, grindy ones, man. Hardcore. Yeah, I mean, because you had to grind, like, you know, yeah. hardcore to yeah. be able to get some of the gold that you needed. And that was, I would say, the frustrating part. Yep. Um, but for me the dungeon ritual part of that quest and for those of you that don't have the the benefit of of you know being a part of vanilla wow there was a quest at level 40 that you know i think warlocks had one and paladins had one i clearly yeah. did the paladin one um and you had to perform a ritual and part of that quest was you had different mobs ghosts attack you and you had to use different spells in order to combat them. And if you chose the wrong spell, the mobs were unkillable. But if you chose the right spell, then you were able to kind of one-shot them. Um, and, you know, um, that quest was just very tense. It was very cool. It just kind of felt like I was really dug into some lore there. It just blew me away. Um, blew me away so much so that I would offer at, you know, to no benefit to myself other than experiencing the quest again, I would offer myself to guildies, to complete strangers. Hey, are you doing this quest? Do you need help? I'd love to do the dungeon part again. And to me, that was like, you know, one of those things where I was like, I felt personally invested as a player. So I'm hoping from a memorable content standpoint that ashes really shoots for the moon in terms of investing players right and not necessarily even just at the you know server-wide level or at the guild level but also at the individual level um you know giving themselves a sense of identity a sense of class fantasy um you know those kind of things i think really help flesh out a character more so than the gear and everything else that goes into progression it's kind of having that personal progression, I think, was really, and the achievement of completing those mm -hmm. items that was really memorable for me. What about you, Sim? So, first of all, before I, before I tell you about mine, <clears throat> I have to ask you, um, why a paladin? Why, of course, a paladin? Just, I just want to understand the man, why behind, a paladin? The, the man behind the avatar, yeah. 
I mean, honestly, it was like I, it felt like a no brainer. Um, I mean, no brainer. I've always got it. Got it. Thank you. I I felt like you know there. I always wanted to um, you know, and, and maybe it's the savior complex in me, but I always felt like being a warrior of the light was. You know, it was me. I always wanted to be the hero. And I felt like none of the other classes spoke to me um, with that hero aspect than the paladin. Now, granted, you know, WoW has gone through so many versions of what a paladin should be to Mm -hmm. from, you know, all over the board, you know, to, you know what they are now which i mean i think they've ended up in a decent place but they've definitely had their ups and downs but if if i had my choice i would say even in ashes i would go not necessarily to the paladin there envisioning which is more kind of a tank yeah i want to be more of a like you know a crusader yeah warrior of the light (laughs) i just want to go in there and just smite people and just dust people with some light forge baby powder just you know (laughs) hashtag get dusted um hashtag get dusted crusaders listen you're a smart guy you're a smart guy and i'm gonna tell you why so To be a savior, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and a necromancer or a warlock doesn't really speak to you. Not even a little bit, because they don't save anything. BCG. <laughs> <laughs> they watch things decay while they're sitting in their little hoods, crying in the corner. You know looking for baby powder because they just want to get dusted. We got you, dude. We got you, man. Little love for BCG, man. Look, he yeah, dropped, he dropped a little pally hate and, uh, I just we love you, man. Get dusted, bro. Light forge style. Light forge style. I have a feeling we're going to have a reaction video on this. Soon. God, I hope so. <laughs> I, I sure hope so. Because if he takes the time out of his life to dedicate to a reaction, I feel like I've served my purpose as a content creator for Asher. That's how I really gauge my progress, honestly. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing but a little love, man. He's a good dude. He really is. Like <clears throat> Alpha Zero for me. I'm going to start with <laughs> Necroman and chat. I got a lot of dude. He's like, Rat-a-tat! <laughs> I apologize. I apologize, everyone. I'm straying a bit. I'm going to get back on topic here. I don't have ADD. Um, Alpha Zero in Ashes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that. And it's surprising to people going, how can you say Ashes is a, is a memorable moment? That was the first time I was in any type of an alpha. Now, keep in mind, for Ashes of Creation, Alpha Zero is, is I mean, you got to think, this is a pre-alpha testing environment that most companies, studios, et cetera, you don't get to see this game development. It's absolutely where the game is going to be broken. Broken, broken, broken. You know this. They test this stuff in-house and almost all of the time you don't see it, right? And technically, we don't get to show visual content for reasons. For reasons, we get to talk about it, though. So I remember the first time, I mean, I've been testing since Alpha Zero day one, right? I remember going back in there and I remember logging on, you know, the one time I could actually log on, it didn't crash us out and everything. But logged in and guess what I saw? This was the first time I've done any, and I've done a lot of alpha testing in different MMORPGs, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. And I got to see most of the names that you saw that were in Trepid Studios in the Discord right there. Literally, you felt like you were getting greeted. They were there chatting in chat when it wasn't broken. They were chatting. They were helping people understand, like, you know, we had our uh, area in Discord. We talked to stuff, which I can't talk about because I'm pretty sure that might be under, but whatever. I'm just saying it was cool because you got to experience these people with the studio. Lottie Dottie, everybody was involved and engaged in the process. There to play with you, killing you sometimes, killing each other sometimes. (laughs) getting killed by you sometimes like lagging with you suffering through it with you and the thing about that that i liked and this is where i'm going to bring it into the next point okay is and i just felt like it's a little bit of feel good to talk about today right right there's been a lot of critical things to say about ashes for a while 
And I just felt like there's a lot of good to remember too, man. That these guys were in the trenches from the beginning. And I, I remember some something that was profound and that was in that situation, I remembered my first MMORPG experience, which was how community people were there with you, for you, beside you, running by you. And the, the culture of the MMORPG was very different. I'm just, it was. Yeah, I um, agree. So my first MMORPG was World of Warcraft. I could talk about some of my epic moments, but I've already talked about them on the podcast. Or favorite PvP moments. I'm not going to talk about the PvP moments because the PvP moments are like, I've talked about those too. I just want to talk about the ones that are more community-oriented or like just cool people I ran across. So my very first, I'm not narcissistic, guild, <laughs> preface. My very first guild in World of Warcraft was during BC. I played in vanilla a bit, but I was literally going, I've never played an MMORPG before, right? It was a whole bunch of console Zelda games. Then I got in the army, got out of the army, started working, started going to college, right? And I'm going, okay, so MMORPGs, let me check this out. Um, wow, I love this. And the thing that struck me about it was I felt like the world was so big in comparison to most games I played. Uh I felt so immersed in, I mean, I have never been so focused on quest dialogue that you have to read that you don't get like given to you in voice actors and stuff, which was early world of Warcraft. Mm -hmm. You know, you go, you pull the, you talk to the guy, you read through the story, the quest, you figure out if you, especially if you were me, didn't know about add-ons, which I don't even know if add-ons were in vanilla back then or not. I really don't know. I don't know if they were or not. I just know not I read right the, at the start, if yeah. I remember correctly. I read the quest text to figure out where to go. And I would be like typing in chat to people, hey, does anybody know where to do this or whatever? And the overwhelming level of like helpfulness. And that is the thing about MMORPGs that I used to love. And so when I say this, I bring it into in the future now, remembering the Alpha Zero experience and going, this is kind of cool, man. It kind of like brings me back. Now, I, I'm not overly idealistic and think this is how things are going to be in the future. I'm just saying kind of a cool coincidence. So my favorite experience is back in old. Wow. was just like that discovery, exploration, bumping into random people you didn't know, creating friendships, right? Then paying it forward later and helping people out and, and, trying to do the same for them. That to me was the culture of the MMORPG that I first got into. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of hoping to see more of. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have to say, you know, I mean, I was really focused more on content um, necessarily than like kind of the broader experience, but you made me think of something um, right before I got into WoW. Actually it was because of WoW um, or because of this other game, I actually ended up, going into WoW. I knew some people that were um, moving to WoW from City of Heroes. And it was the first, I would say, Alpha Zero that I've ever been in. And that experience, like, even, you know, when things weren't 100% working, you were still testing things out. It was that sense of community that I would say, above everything else that I was playing, like beforehand, like I did the whole Ultima Online, EverQuest, Dark Age of Camelot. City of Heroes really was like the first, I would say, um, true community more broadly. Because I did have people like that I had kind of gamed with that I knew from other guilds and definitely got some of that in the earlier gaming that I did. But um I do, I do miss that experience um, that I had kind of in that, you know, closed alpha, alpha zero for City of Heroes, because it was more creative, I think, more collaborative than, and, and I think my wife pointed out as well, um, you know, with WoW. WoW was that way too, and you did earlier as well point that out. WoW was like that too. You kind of had... You know, I have people to this day that I still like, you know, game with, um, you know, on occasion. I still, you know, have, you know, met them, you know, I've gone to visit them, you know, and they're all people that I knew from WoW. So, yeah, it's it's definitely um, to me, I feel like it's something that's really lacking in WoW now. Yeah. 
is people are so focused on maybe hyper focused on achievement and, you know, you know, being numero uno versus, you know, being a cohesive collaborative team. I don't know. I, I feel like that is something that I hope um, we do bring back also with ashes. And I know early on in the, it felt like that. I know, more than a few people are kind of jaded on how it is myself included on how some of the, I would say the more uh, trollish elements have come in to the Atchis yeah. community. I hope, I hope that, you know, the positivity comes back into the community as more information gets out there and people in a sense, regain their confidence. Cause I know there's a lot of people that were really following early on that you don't quite hear from anymore. Um, so I'm hoping that, that does come back and mm. it does bring people back. Yeah. I think that, I think a lot of those people are still out there too. I just don't think that they engage in like the discord, for mm. example, and then the forums being down for as long as they were down. Now you're yeah. kind of waiting for them to re-engage. Like I'm, I'm more excited about the forums being up than the discord being active to be honest at this point. Agreed. Yeah. I, I plan to probably engage a lot more on the forums and the discord is just like watch for news, content creator stuff. Um, mm -hmm. that's about it for me, to be honest. So I would like to encourage everybody to go to the forums, share your most memorable, con memorable content. Uh, it's under general discussion. Uh, Lieutenant Toast posted again on the 19th. And at this time, I'm pretty sure it's going to be up towards, yeah, it's up at the top under announcement. Pretty, pretty active, and that's that's good to see. I like that we got you know more devs kind of like starting conversations too. Like this, this is great. And so now we've got the dev diaries. Uh, we've got the blog posts on nodes and stuff we've recently been seeing. We've got uh, conversations, a lot of conversations that are being originated from the blog, which I'm like, fantastic. Um, we've got more engagement on the forums, right? And then we've got the fact that Steven's going and making rounds and dropping by. Uh, you know, streams and stuff like that, which I thought that's, that's just great. I, I was happy to have him come on the show. We, I've been personally, I've been wanting him to be here for a while. Um, but I know we both have kind of been looking forward to him dropping by too. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk about now on our, on our interview with Steven, we're going to get to this whole social network uh, gig or aspect of the conversation shortly, but Ooh, that's bright. That's so bright for blue light on these old man eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we asked a question from the community though uh how will summons work in game so steven mentioned mount summons summoned by uh summon from inventory cosmetic summons looking pretty activated via cosmetic pet slot battle pet summons will take a portion of your power hold up we'll take a portion of your power and a portion of your experience we won't have it give you uh we won't have it give why i don't know why i'm reading this all here anyway it's to give the player a horizontal. So essentially it's going to split your stats and work with you, right? Not for you. It's, it's the beauty of the, the, this, this type of pet in particular is that it's, it's going to split your stats and have some function. So I'm going to get to that in a second. Summoner pets. Primary feature is through summons. Some classes will have one. Uh, some will have multiple. It's a vertical slide of power that adds to your power. So this one's instead of splitting your stats, this is gonna give you additional, right? <clears throat> and function probably in its own way similarly, but um, you also gain access to stronger summons as you level up. So things like a maybe Necromancer, right? Um, a class like that, Any anything that's gonna summon. I mean, I wish we said Shaman, but um, I don't get a Shaman, it's sad. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, I guess I've got a totem thing. I don't know what I got. I don't really understand. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel like totems and an MMORPG seem somehow fitting. It, maybe it's just an old WoW thing, mm -hmm. but I know that's not just from World of Warcraft. So it's other games too. So the thing I like about the idea of having pets that function and split stats with you is it, it, it brings a different level of immersion to the gameplay. So I feel like this could potentially to an extent be theorycrafted, not as much as it can with like a summon type of pet for like a necromancer or something, summoning dead people that you really will see kid. Not just you, everybody will see. 
sixth sense reference there for anybody here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool because really I didn't really thought that we were going to, I thought that you would have summon pets that were like a necromancer is like, you know, undead or something, for example, or uh, you would have like your little cat running next to you that you got from the, you know, uh, cash shop whenever little cosmetic pet or something that just ran around mm -hmm. next to you and looked pretty and sparkled or whatever and you're like oh this is my favorite pet let's go fly together or whatever <laughs> we can't do that ashes sorry hold on glide together maybe unless they just fall glide. off the cliff and that's sad but that's okay they'll probably be alive i'm an expert at that unless this is a question though if, if you have a pet that splits stats with you and it and you jump off a cliff and glide and it falls does it die you know, I had a, like a lot more questions than I think that I had got answers from that. I mean, in retrospect, because at the time I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And then all of a sudden I started thinking about it. I'm like, wait. So wait. I have kind of a different flavor of it. But yeah, I, I did find the whole splitting of stats. I mean, while I do agree from a balance standpoint, it makes sense. I, I did have, I guess, more questions on that. Um, I don't know what you thought of that. Um Sam, if you know, if you had any kind of pros cons to having and kind of an availability of that, I just to me, I, I felt like it was there was a there was a cool factor for sure, but there was also like I'm not sure how this is going to work, and I I felt like I needed to know more. Yeah, that's that's basically my standpoint on it. Like as a theory crafter, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Is it though? I don't mm. know, man. I don't know. What do the pets, you know, do the stats that it pulls, are they predetermined and it's like ironed out for every pet that you get? So no matter what pet it is that you decide to use the split stats with, you know, are they going to have different functions or are they all going to have a cleave? Is that going to be, you know, is that going to fit into the, the fantasy world to have them all do a cleave and all do a self heal or something. Is that going to be a thing? Could that be abuse? Absolutely. Is it going to heal just them? I mean, what does it do? Or is it just going to peck away at you? No matter what the pet is, it could be a bear. It could be a pelican. It could be a, I don't know. That could be pelicans. I don't know. <laughs> That's an angry pelican. Hey, Steven's into high fantasy. It could be some shiny pelicans running around. I don't know, man. I don't know him well That's enough to true. know better. I'm just Rainbow saying. Pelicans. But Steven, if you're watching, please don't bring pelicans in the game. <laughs> and God, don't troll me with that. For the record, that's not my choice if I have a choice in an in a animal in the game or creature, etc. My spirit animal is not a pelican. No. <laughs> no, it's a phoenix. For obvious reasons. Again, my name is pronounced Seymourg. As opposed to Simurg or Simurge or Semurg or whatever people keep saying. <laughs> it hurts my heart because Google is your friend. I like YouTube too. I think there's pronunciation guys on that. Tangent apologies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of do wonder whether or not that system is going to potentially be just a really bad time. Yeah, I mean, I know Steven was really clear to say it's not intended that um, this battle pet be a must-have. It's a way to bring utility to a group in certain situations. Um, I mean, he did make the distinction that summoners essentially gain power with their pets versus split power. So versus I mean, that was a good distinction to make. Um but, you know, it's, again, one of those ideas that sounds cool on paper, but I'm struggling to see how that's going to be appealing from a gameplay standpoint. I mean, I guess I could see taking, like, a trade-off situation, like, similar to how maybe mods work in, like, you know, the Division game with your weapons. You can take, um, you know, a boost accuracy, but you might take a hit to your damage or, you know, vice versa. Um, you might get a special CC ability, for example. But if it's situational, like Steven explained, how does it not become a meta in a particular encounter? If it's like, for example, he said, you know, this is situational. Okay, well, if that situation comes up, are you going to be like, you know, 
kicked from a group if you don't have a pet that can do X, Y, and Z. I mean, to me, it's, you know, it's good info to say, hey, like, hey, look, they're really kind of trying to flesh out how you can progress horizontally. Um, but it raised more questions. I mean, one thing I was be interested to know is how do you obtain these battle pets? Is it just a matter of taming? Do you need to go to right. a, you know, animal husbandrer or, you know, somebody that's good? <laughs> As good animal, animal husbandrer? husbandrer. <laughs> I mean, assume since like mountain pet breeding fall into that artisan yeah. role, like you would kind of like to know maybe how you breed traits, how it works. I mean, personally, I think it'd be neat to have some sort of sliding scale. I think Stephen talked about something like this before, where you can like maybe breed or crossbreed two pets and maybe slide back and forth depending on, you know, whether, say you wanted to cross, I don't know, a wolf and a wyvern, um, you know, depending on how much of the genetic makeup you would want for the wolf or the wyvern, et cetera, you know, you, you know, the wolf might grow wings, um, mm-hmm have like some sort of spike tail or spitfire poison obviously you know you're going to need to balance this somehow and you know maybe not every you know god roll trait gets transferred over you've got some sort of choice but again it feels like in a way the battle pet is kind of encroaching on the role that you might have for a summoner at least at some level i'm not going to say at every level because clearly he did make some pretty good distinctions on how a summoner would be different mm-hmm. but still it, it felt like is this another one of those things is this really something that's kind of a critical thing to have and when is it coming in is it a launch item that's oh, where the lines to me get fuzzy again <clears throat> with what's being developed versus what's being um put out there as as their vision of how the game will involve um be mm-hmm. involved. Yeah, another thing I was kind of wondering too is like if the battle pet, for example, can, uh, if the battle pet is able to like maintain aggro and these are some of those certain situations, for example, and it shares Mm -hmm. your stats, does that mean if I heal myself, I heal the pet too? Right? Does the pet require, like, let's say if if I heal 10%, the pet gets like 30% healing off of it? Like, that's where you could end up potentially having like some super imbalance like situation where you got a guy who's a summoner and maybe he has to use a skill to heal his uh, I'm thinking perfect example is like demonology tree in World of Warcraft for the warlock and right. right there's a heal ability to heal your minion essentially right and so or to share your health for that and vice versa like there's all kinds of trade-offs with mm-hmm. a warlock in in that capacity in World of Warcraft, for example, right? But mm-hmm. you know, if if they if let's say you come up against an, uh, a warlock, summoner, necromancer, whatever, and they have a similar uh, set of circumstances in order to like heal their pet, and they're running around, they don't have this battle pet out, right? They've just got their summoned uh, gargoyle or whatever. And they're running around. You bump into them, uh, and there's a caravan, and they're running around with their caravan or whatever. And uh, hell, even flip that around. Maybe you're running around with your caravan. They attack you, right? And you got like this meta going on because you have this battle pet who requires you to not actually use any actual skills to have any kind of cooldowns or anything. Instead, you can just heal yourself. They get this crazy amount of healing. They also hold a taunt on maybe, I don't know, their their pet, their summon or something. And now you got this like OP pet build going on. And I'm running around as a cleric and I'm letting my pet go ham while I use the, uh, I wish I was paying attention to the cleric. Cleric has an ability where they can either heal or they can damage. This is from Alpha Zero, uh, a character. So I could use it on you and heal you, mm-hmm. or I could use it on like an enemy NPC character, etc., player, whatever, and damage them instead, right? So mm-hmm. I'm running around as a cleric and I'm just like, I'll heal myself now. I'll hurt you now. By the way, this guy's tanking your ad. Um, and you're if that's what you're required to do most of your damage with you're just kind of so well so this is where i think it gets a little sketch because it's like do you really want to implement something like that when you got other classes etc that can already summon anyway yeah that was exactly kind of what i felt like you know bottom line is you're talking about creating um 
a set of classes that are distinct that have some uniqueness to them. Um, are you going to end up homogenizing that role? Some, I mean, again, it, there was a qualification. It was situational, right? So I kind of get maybe that's the balance, but still it just felt like let's work on really focusing the classes and their roles and kind of that spectrum of progression between those different roles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that horizontal progression versus adding another layer that every class can get access to if they desire, you know, that, that's the part where, again, it, we probably need to know the bigger picture a little bit more before we start nitpicking, but still yeah. it feels like that's what more like a post launch type of thing yeah, at least to say versus, you know, let's really get the classes right and then add some more layers and keep building on those layers. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point. And I think it's great in theory. I like the idea, especially early on running around, you know, especially if my pet can take the damage and I can kind of like get through mm -hmm. an encounter uh, with like a crazy, maybe it's a great way to like kill, kill like not a world boss necessarily, but maybe some stronger mob part of a quest don't have to necessarily group up specifically to do it just a thought so taking that side like what are your thoughts the so people that are watching on you know youtube or wherever what are some of your thoughts like post them in the comments when you get to see this etc kind of curious what you think about that sort of system pros cons what are your thoughts um moving on though wanted to talk about social networks a little bit social organization uh ones you see in a lot of the time like pr pretty much You've got social organizations of all kinds. You got uh, player guilds. You got in-game kind of uh, uh, NPC, sort of narrative, sort of narrative-driven, sort of guild structures, right? Um, they shared, and we talked about this with our interview with Stephen as well. And I know some of the other podcasts hit on it a bit after it posted. Um, but yeah, one thing was they talked about the regali of the the Iron uh, Lion, and this we talked about with Stephen. We got a little bit of information on it. Um, but yeah, this was a this was a order that seemed like it was an anti magic order. Uh, he discussed it a bit, and he he shared that essentially this is um, one of your social organizations in game uh, that you can, as a player, um, you know, uh, develop the narrative with, explore it, you know, go on your missions, go on your 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 story, and and basically like. Uh, work your way through the structure and the order. And I'm not sure they showed the different three different types of like cosmetics that appear to be earnable in game that were confirmed earnable in game based on your progress through said uh, social organization. Uh, but this is essentially like a, uh, a martial combat order that focuses on anti uh, magic so it's all about negating magic, right? Dampening magic. That's kind of their their core, uh, the core of their archetype is is that. And so we kind of discussed with Stephen, like, hey, so if um, I'm a magic user and I go and I talk to someone in the, you know, the Iron Lion, am I going to get like a different uh, reaction, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he was like, no, no, they're not going to really react differently. Uh, but this is something that all of us can, you know, dig into. It's not specific because this is within the Kalar human uh, racial sort of structure after they come through the gate, right? They're like uh, rampant magic and the world's unpredictable. We need to establish a foothold to sort of, I don't know if I want to say balance it, but that's really what I'm getting a feel about. It's kind of mm -hmm. like to check and balance, so to speak, magic that's running rampant in the world on Vera uh, after the Kalar come through. So this is kind of like a social structure there. It's not a thieves guild. It's not, um, you know, some of the ones we that have been defined in the Kickstarter per se, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool because it's telling us a little bit more, mm -hmm. right? Than we've really yeah. gathered so far. We got some good narrative on it, although short. Um, what were some of your thoughts about this particular order and some of what we may discuss with Steven as far as that goes? I mean, I have to say this is probably one of my favorite discussion points in the interview, and I just love the fact that it got dropped right before we, you know, <laughs> were able to do the podcast so we could work it in. Cause I really liked, um, you know, what, 
what it meant, or at least what I felt it meant for the game. Um, you know, obviously the, we talked about the Kickstarter awards, you know, Traders Company, Thieves Guild, Scholars Academy. Um, you know, personally, I'm just hoping that gaining favor with those factions, this, you know, Order of the Lion faction um, isn't grindy or repetitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would really very much enjoy a system where players have to make choices do different quest lines to gain favor, but it not degenerate into repeatable dailies, other tedious tasks that they need to do to improve ranking. I mean, I I would just like to have a series of branching side quests that allow a player to gain insight into the lore behind that particular social organization and kind of work its way more deeply into the inner circle. And I'd love to see um, a risk reward just like with, everything else that you know team has talked about you know what if joining the iron lion um puts you in a bad way with another social organization like the scholars academy which i assume is going to be some type of mage guild right does that put you at war with them does that you know close off certain aspects of progression towards a more magic focused type of you know build um and and i thought you know because the devs talked about social organizations being a way you might be able to achieve augmentation or you know horizontal character progression, I'd like to see different themes behind different gear pieces or augmentations depending on where you affiliate. I mean, Vertec already you know pointed it out in chat. This feels like this might be a source of gear that might help be helpful in tanking. Personally. I would like to be able to have some options open up around special items or resources or augmentations that improve magic resistance. Um, I just want to know more about how social organizations will interact with the players in the broader world. Um, You know, while Steven said, you know, they wouldn't much impact you in terms of what quest lines they offer, depending on your player class, which was, you know, little bit disappointing um i was hoping that that would be a little more dynamic i do hope that it does have some sort of dynamic impact on what's going on in the world and how that social organization has a place in it bottom line i just want social progression to mean something in the world and to my character for you know if i choose to invest my time in it i don't want it to be a window dressing afterthought yeah yeah, I agree. I, I'd, I'd like to see some more on the social network, to be honest, uh, a little bit more about it. Uh, the thing I like, though, is that we got to see some variations. You know, there was a little bit. Of, I think you were the one that showed me that. I think we talked about last time on the mm-hmm. Monday podcast before the one that we did with Steven. But it, I remember we were talking about that outfit not mm-hmm. too long ago. And then we got to see the variations that this is going to be earnable cosmetic. The thing I like about this the most, though, this is like really the first time that we're not just getting we're getting something that's rendered close mm-hmm. to how it's supposed to look in game and to me yeah. that's important because the concept art it's great and i like concept art but we weren't getting much of this i mean we've gotten to see some like environment you know videos we've gotten to see run around an apoc but i wanted to see what's what's some gear really going to look like on me if i want to wear plate or want some plate variation pauldrons whatever we finally got to see something and i'm pleased um i'm pleased with all three variations of it too i like that they're they've already got for this one particular social organization three unlockable cosmetic styles or whatever that to me is the Mm -hmm. best part about it because that's kind of some of what i'm looking for like the type of variety and in in character customization whether it's cosmetic or or otherwise and how that ties into what you do in game right not just cash right. out so to me this was a great a great thing to look at and see i do wish there was a little bit more to the story a little bit more explanation as to like maybe how these were earned um maybe what you know what standing you had to have but i get why we wouldn't get that yet we're not quite there um mm-hmm. but either way i was happy to see that um yeah, it felt like a good precedent. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, with that being said, I know we added um, one more thing on here. We've got a little bit of time left, so we're going to talk about a little bit of the freehold bonuses, right? Mm-hmm. And if I don't 
destroy my eyes here. So is a freehold earned? This is one of the questions, right? Is it earned through uh, story, lore? Is it purchased? Um, so he mentioned that the freehold flag has to be placed in the open world, is available to be granted at stage node three. So mm -hmm. stage three nodes, whatever. My dyslexia, I guess, whatever. Either there's a quest line and material component costs for the player to fulfill. Hoping the material component cost isn't high, super, super ridiculously high. I'm hoping it's easily achievable. Um, talked about, um, you know, freeholds existing in the zone of influence and all that. We talked about a little bit of the adjacency. They're going to save that uh, for an upcoming blog. So some of the stuff on freehold sounds like it's going to be coming up in a known blog that they probably already have on their table. Um, I don't know when, but it was definitely mentioned that sometime in the future. Um, what are some of the bonuses or some of the discussion around the freehold bonuses that maybe you wanted to kind of kind of speculate on a bit? Sure, sure. I mean, I know the next dev diary was supposed to talk about housing. So I'm hoping that that's where we start to hear a little bit more about these bonuses. Um, you know, because we talked about a few things in the interview. We did talk about you know, legendary freehold schematics and that having some bonuses. We, you know, touched on adjacency bonuses. At least we asked and we got somewhat, you know, baby patter to the face by Steven. <laughs> but he said, you know, wait for it. Um, but I was really encouraged just because as a general rule that, you know, this is just yet another progression path that was at least, you know, planned to be varied, um, you know, Versus, you know, we haven't seen kind of the actual full design yet, um, clearly. But it was nice to know that, you know, the freehold was another extension of progression, a way for characters to differentiate. I mean, I like the fact that they weren't just first come, first serve, because that just kind of rubs me the wrong way when it's always like, you know, first over the line to get it. I mean, there should be some ways for it to maybe change hands. So knowing that it's also could be progression based um was was nice to know so you know if you wanted to be a hard working farmer right that hard work could pay off maybe you might get a harvest bonus you might get a resource bonus right that that kind of thing was really you know really good to hear um i hope they do switch it up though that it is you know outside of say resource and production related bonuses it might be like a construction bonus it might be you know, a bonus for a specific building types so of taverns might grant special bonuses to patrons over and above. If you're like, if you're a legendary tavern, for example, you might for a period of time get some bonuses. I'd like to see it kind of balance some competitive things to, you know, bonuses that not only are, you know, helping your you as an individual, but also have like a broader benefit. So like, you know, a guild might want to achieve that legendary freehold bonus for a period of time helps, you know, helps them. It also helps maybe the nodes within that zone of influence. Once again, kind of re-energizing building community, collaborating, right? Because there's always going to be a reason for conflict, right? There's always going to be, you know, a reason for a catalyst of change, I would also like that balance with the need for collaboration too. So I know the team has talked about this here and there, but I like having those two different ideas, you know, set against each other is my choice is going to be to collaborate or my choice is to be, you know, the rebel rouser, which one is going to gain me benefit for a time, you know, that I really want to shoot for. As far as like the length of time for these um, bonuses, I, I think it would be nice to have a variety so they're not always like you know a weekly bonus it might be a monthly bonus it might be a daily bonus depending on you know how powerful that is that to me would dictate the amount of time a player might have it but those are kind of the things that i was thinking about when we started digging into bonuses you know let's look at different types let's look at different scopes let's look at different times so one of the questions we had asked from the community, right, which really ties into the how basically was asked was how is legendary freehold schematic different from regular schematics, different tier, different tiers and different how. And so this is a summary of the answer. It says uh, the idea we currently have is via a ZOI, zone of influence, that freeholds exist in. 
Each building type and service will have a legendary feature that can be unlocked. The idea behind this feature is to grant it to specific freeholds within a zone of influence. Remember that freeholds need to be tied to a zone of influence. Each metropolis will have an allotment of legendary freehold bonuses that they can allot to freeholds. So those freeholds will have access to it. It will be a mix of first come first serve and performance related factors to acquire them. So after the timers end or timer ends, the legendary slot goes back to the node and players try to obtain it again. So it's legendary in the way that it's limited and has to be cycled. That is the thing I love the most about it, mm-hmm. which I believe I saw in chat from Vertec too. He was saying he loved that as well. So it's not as it's not so easy for one person to monopolize it or set up people, right? It's something that can be fought over just like a node war or just like a keep war, like castle sieges and stuff like that, right? These are all things that can be fought over and can be changed. So it helps to tie in further to that. It's not just a matter of the castles being sieged and held by particular communities, et cetera, or that a metropolis is run by a person monopolized. Like it's not that those things are what need to be changed. There's multiple layers to this that are starting to unfold now. And that's what I've always hoped for with Ashes is that, it isn't just like as simple as the node, the the uh, the castle, the keeps, like the people running those. It ties into a lot of other things, such as within the metropolis node, et cetera, the zone of influence, allotment of legendary right sockets for mm-hmm. certain freeholds, and that doesn't just get obtained by one person who then monopolizes and holds it. They get it for a time. Also similar to like the flying mounts in the game, right? You might get you might go out there and find an egg. And you get this little baby dragon or something that you get to run around on and glide on or whatever it is, you know, maybe potentially fly on. I don't know. And then mm-hmm. what? You get it for X amount of time and it resets and then you got to go farm the egg again. Or you got to work hard and get what it takes to get this legendary bonus for a freehold. That to me is good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that they're building a system that will continuously change hands or at least that's the intent that not everybody is going to be king of the hill like you know forever um you know that it it doesn't cheapen it by making giving everybody you know it at the same time it also doesn't you know lead us down a path where only certain people will get it and that's how it's always going to be i just want it to always you know everybody gets a shot at it yeah and it does kind of keep things dynamic. So you're never bored. You're never like feeling like I'm never going to achieve X, Y, and Z, right? If you work hard, you will achieve things within the game. It's just, it's going to be, you know, spread out. Lights, so I crusader. think that's, that's Welcome important, right? You know, you can, might be the first out of the gate to get it. And that's an achievement, you know, definitely want there to be those kind of things just want it to also be something where it, you know the monopoly to me feels like uh it just would people would lose interest after a while yeah and that's the thing i like is it's like there's so many different things that the universal constant here in the real world is what change right mm-hmm. that is the universal constant things change always changing and the one thing about especially in the current mmorpg genre so many different games it's like you get to that end game and then what changes seasonal events i mean that's cool don't get me wrong i love them but is that what changes we're waiting on the next tier to unlock that's what the change is like no here in ashes everything changes always changing much like in the real world and the more layers we get like this the more dynamic the potential for excelling in some capacity is going to be, you know, uh, you c- look, if you're, if you want to raid that, that really tough in-game content in ashes, you can do it. Are you going to have a significant advantage if you're in a high end raiding guild? Absolutely. Could the random pugs put one together and stop it too? Yeah. Can you queue for it? Sorry. not here also love that thank god if they ever implement a queue system i'm gonna outside 
outside of instance PvP, like a battleground mm-hmm. of some sort. I'm cool with that there. But if they ever do it for dungeons and raids, I will flip my S, yo. Light, forge, baby powder right across the face. Steven, you're going to get dusted. I'll do it. I'll be so pissed. But I don't see it happening. And, and, and I'll say this about queuing systems. From a convenience standpoint, I get that. But I think it was the beginning of the end in terms of forming communities. I, 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 in ret- I mean, at the time I was like, oh man, this is great. I hope everybody, you know, has this in their MMOs. And, and then I think about it and I think of the cluster that is LFR rating. And I'm like, yeah, that felt like the beginning of the end to me. Never should have existed. Um, you homogenize content, you make it like brainless and you kind of perpetuate that type of brainless mentality. I mean, no offense to like people that really enjoy LFR rating, but you have to at some level realize that if people don't care that, and you make content where people don't really care that you're going to, you know, perpetuate kind of a negative stigma around that and people are just going to say oh yeah it's just lfr i don't and and honestly i'll just use myself as an example i'll hop into lfr i'm not looking at numbers i'm not giving a crap about mechanics unless we're like you know hitting ourselves against a brick wall then i'm like okay people let's do it i mean my wife can attest to that Good luck saying that I've... out loud yeah <laughs> I, i'm probably not as uh <laughs> How should I say diplomatic as I am <laughs> on this podcast? Um, I see that. You know, Lucky, can yeah. you please give me evidence of this at some point in the future? Thanks. <laughs> I just she want like a evidence sample. for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely less diplomatic by far in those situations. Um, you know, because I want people to be able to care about what they're doing, and you kind of don't get that the more brainless you make the content. Um, and when people are used to it and then you try to reintroduce some level of skill to it, then that's when people fail hard because they're not ready for it. They don't expect it. So I'm, I'm hoping there is that social aspect where, you know, you are getting to know people, you are helping them along to kind of get to a good place, but it also doesn't completely suck out the accountability that you need to have to get through certain levels of content yeah that's right <laughs> oh, oh here's, my, here's my email out. please and thank I you let's do it i want in my inbox please as soon as possible as soon as possible that's convenient for you i'll just throw this out there at some point yeah somehow i fell into raid leadership and molten core and it was literally the absolute worst experience oh man for me and mm-hmm. i'm expecting for the people that i led in that raid <laughs> because i got to the point where i was like you know i was raging i was going like full more dots more dots more dots kind of situation man it was it was pretty bad and i think it got to a point where i'm like i expect a certain level right for myself and i'm pretty hard on myself and my wife can attest to that, right? If I make a mistake, I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot and I need to get my stuff together. But I think I, because I'm so hard on myself, I expect that same level of, you know, play from other people, like that they, you know, are paying attention, hitting the mark, et cetera. So I'm just as hard on, you know, other people man. Um, <clears throat> as well. I'm going I'm to tell you, man. I'm, 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 as far as being a raid leader goes, I'm pretty hardcore. I don't really have like a very high threshold for, for like making mistakes on at least as far as that goes anyway. Uh, I will, I, if you sign up for raid, you, you gotta have your buff food. You gotta have your inch. You gotta have all that stuff. I don't like, there's zero room for error for me on that. Like, I don't really care, but I will say this. LFR should die. Hmm. I know if you like LFR and World of Warcraft, I am not sorry for saying this. It was a huge mistake that they added that to the game. 
I don't feel that mythic dungeons and like, I know people like them and enjoy them. I, I feel like mythic dungeons aren't so bad, but like mythic raiding, like adding like more and more levels, like keep it simple, man. You know, I'm, I'm fine with one difficulty level, right? I'm, I'm fine with one difficulty level, make it tough. But, but LFR was the, is just that just part of my soul died. And, and as far as the wild WoW player, when that, when that happened, it yeah, just, it, oh, God, it goes back to that whole like stigma that I have. And it's not necessarily WoW's fault. And I know a lot of people blame WoW. I, mean, I, do. I personally, for a time, kind of blame WoW, but I think it's more more like people just wanted you know to homogenize content in a game and people wanted to be everything to everybody wow wasn't the only game guilty of this there's others out there um but i i think that's what i i think we need to pull away from and allow people you know trust the players you know, and not listen to that, you know, vocal minority that we just need to give everybody, you know, not everybody gets a ribbon, right? Yeah. I mean, it is something where it's like, there should be certain things you can achieve as an individual. You know, I'm all for that. There are certain things you're going to need to coordinate with other people to do. Just, you know, give people things to really kind of shoot for. Because when there are those things, I think it brings everybody up in a skill level. Um, I think it, it really does. And people think it, you know, people think it, it kind of splinters a community. I think this whole homogenization splinters a community and says, okay, there's the haves and the haves. Yeah, to, to, to a degree, I agree, I agree with that too. Uh, I counter Daedalus out of respect though. I blame WoW. I blame it's not you. the only one though i think it started the ball rolling and then other like, oh. i need to be successful as wow yeah there's one of many like yeah it just but you know it all ties in i'm i yeah if i'm gonna say what my honest my honest honest truth and if you're just honest with yourselves when activision stepped in is when all these changes started happening and became mm. more about like anybody's a hero anybody gets a legendary Anybody can raid, anybody can do anybody, anybody, everybody, everybody. And and that just was like the the just just spiral. It just spiraled. You know, I mean and that's that's one that's the main that's the main reason I can't anymore. Is it's about the corporate, you know, mindset of how yeah. can we get these people playing and grinding every day and making as much off of them as possible without having to actually work and produce something innovative anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, enter ashes of creation. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's our hope. That's, I think yeah. where we really got sold, at least I did. Right. Is that it is, it's going to be tougher. Yeah. And you're, you might need to relearn some things you, you know, you were really frustrated with in the kind of the vanilla wow years, but I think it's, it's going to be hopefully, the hope here right is that it's a better balance of risk versus a reward yeah right because even in vanilla wow i know you know older gamers seasoned gamers let me go with seasoned gamer versus seasoned older gamers, gamers. i like I'm that sure veteran about, gamers yeah veteran born gamers, gamers. They, yeah i'm gonna go with that okay <laughs> let's hopefully nobody click on you one but anyway it's it's that kind of thing it's like you know you you felt accomplished that you achieved something and i think we talked about it a long time ago right yeah we talked about that it's like don't take away what i have accomplished as a gamer don't make me feel like the work that i put into x y and z you know somebody else just gets handed to um Don't talk about. Don't speak. I know just what you're thinking. So stop explaining. What? <laughs> don't tell me because. Never mind. Yeah. Copyright yeah, yeah. strike. Don't need that. All right. Yeah. So, I think we've we've. I feel like this this is definitely something we could we could probably continue discussing mm-hmm. in another episode. I think it's actually a really good one. I feel like I would like to talk about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. A little bit more. Uh, remaining relevant. You know keeping it relevant. Uh, 
that's yeah. a that's a conversation I feel like you can revisit a dozen times and still have something new to add, especially when it comes to um, Oh, that's funny. Great <laughs> <laughs> sense of disapproval on his <laughs> typing. Well, because of how loud it was. Uh if you if you're watching on YouTube, you could be here. You definitely should. DLive.tv forward slash Seymour. Uh, S-I-M-U-R-G-H, like my name is spelled, every Monday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, it's been a great show. Dalos, you want to let everybody know where they can find you, your stuff and things, sir? Sure. Uh, you can reach me on the interwebs at ashenherald.com. Um, I'm also primarily a YouTube content creator, um, so you can check me out at youtube.com slash C slash The Ashen Herald, and uh, find me on Twitter as well, um, at The Ashen Herald. I am Seymour. I've been your host. It's been a great episode, Daedalus, as always, sir. Filled with dreams and baby powder. Right That's here. it right there. Right there. Hashtag get dusted. Hashtag get dusted. You know, it's been a great time, everybody. We will see you next week, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, here on the Home of the Crusade and the Ashes Pathfinder Show. You all have a great week. And until next time, I will see you on stream. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night.